Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. There's a statement that Jesus made on the cross. You can find it in your Bibles in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. If you don't have a, a, oops, if you don't have a Bible and you would like to have one, there's one in the seat back pocket in front of you. And because we want to say welcome home, if you see someone struggling with a Bible, why don't you just lean over and help them find the Gospel of Luke? And if you're struggling, just lean over and say, where's Luke? And who is he? Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This is the first of seven statements that Jesus makes on the cross. We know that the cross was a biblical event, but we also know it was a historical event from a Roman historian whose name was Josephus. He wrote in Antiquities, chapter 18, verse 3, this is the Christ who was crucified by Pilate. This statement, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, it's one of the longest of the seven statements of Jesus. And I believe it took everything he had to say it, but I believe it was the abundance of his heart earlier in the ministry of Jesus, said very clearly, out of the abundance of the heart, speaks the mouth. And we discover on the cross exactly what was in the heart of Jesus, you and I, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Forgiveness was on his heart. We've got to remember that he came to seek and to save the lost. There was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to that cross. Many theologians believe he instigated the fight when he turned the tables at the beginning of his ministry because he knew that he had a cross to get to. Forgiveness was on his mind. Remember, he came to seek and to save the lost. And so there was no storm that would prevent him from crossing the Sea of Galilee to deliver the demoniac. There was no enemy that would stop him from healing the hurting, no matter how the Pharisees hurled their insults. There was no obstacle that would prevent him from redeeming the wretched. It's why the hymn writer wrote the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like Chet. And there was nothing that would stop him from saving me. He saved anyone that would come to him. Everyone could be saved, including you. There was a Roman centurion who came to Jesus, a Roman centurion whom he knew one of them would put him on a cross. And when this Roman centurion came to him in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, He said he had a servant that was sick. 
And Jesus would heal the Roman servant because he would always go the second mile. He would always show a love for his enemy, even his disciples, his disciples who forsook him, his disciples who who fled when they came in the garden of Gethsemane. These are the ones that would desert him. He knew that they would. He even told Peter that he would deny him when when Peter said he would lay down his life for him. It's for those disciples, even them, who forsook him for a time, who deserted him for a time, it would be those, the disciples, that he would give up his life. He would even say, I go to prepare a place for you. And that go meant the cost of his life. Now for me, I have hit my thumb with a hammer. And usually there's just a grunt that comes out and a prayerful hope that nothing else does. I have felt pain before of a hammer hitting my thumb, and the only thing that I can do is make an inutterable sound. I'm shocked and surprised that with a nail in both of his hands and one through both of his feet, one nail through both of his feet, that he was able to say anything but grunt, but he said the depth of his heart, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. I'm shocked. Crucifixion was designed to be excruciating in every facet. It was invented by the Assyrians hundreds of years earlier because they believed that no one who was dying of a curse should hit the ground because they had a god of the earth. And so they put the criminal up on a cross so that their dead body would not touch the earth and defile their god. And though it was invented by the Assyrians... It was absolutely perfected by the Romans. They had developed a system whereby they, it became a source of entertainment because every crucifixion was different depending on the pain threshold of the person able to lift themselves up on a nail that was between both of their feet be able to take a breath as their lungs were filling with water and then drop down again. Imagine with the flesh being removed from your back what it was to go simply up on that cross and then drop down again. I cry with a splinter. (laughs) Much less the Lord who said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Isaiah would say in chapter 53, verse 5, that he was pierced for our transgression. Zechariah would report that when Jesus comes again, and trust me, he will come again. When Jesus comes again, the Jews will look on the one whom they pierced. He was crucified. He had to be crucified. But I love the Bible because the Bible spares us of the details by simply stating, would you look with me in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, Verse 32, there they crucified him. That's it. That's it. Some theologians say that crucifixion was so normal in the first century that when they wrote this, everyone would have known exactly what they were talking about. The Romans would put people on crosses all over every Roman road just to let the people know, we rule over you. You are in subjection to us. 
Some say that the Spirit would spare us of the details. But I've lost a loved one, and I know many of you have. And I know to this day how difficult it is for me to even discuss the death and the loss of my loved one. And I believe as difficult as it was for me is as difficult as it was for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's why they simply wrote, there they crucified him. There they crucified him. I've been at the bedside of many who have gone home to be with the Lord. In fact, I think it's one of my wife's greatest ministries. When you are ready to go see Jesus, call Andrea and she will sing you straight to heaven. And when she starts singing, you will feel like you're already there. And I'll never forget, we were ministering to some, a, friend of ours, a friend of ours who was on her way to be with Jesus. And my daughter started calling. She called once. She called twice. Now, this precious woman is on her way. She called the third time. Andrea, thinking it's an emergency, answers the phone and says, Elia, are you okay? Mom, I can't find my soccer uniform. Where is my soccer uniform? <laughs> Listening to the conversation, I decided to take over the song. So I began to sing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Now, let me let you know, this precious woman hasn't spoken or moved in three days. When I started singing, she lifted up her hand and said, stop. She grabbed Audrey's, Andrea's hand and said, start. From the depth of her heart, the thing that came out of her, I live with this, was for me to stop singing. I am grateful to God that he says, make a joyful noise. <laughs> and when you're by someone who's passing in a comfortable bed with their family around them, some even being given comfort of morphine, but they gave Jesus wine that was soured by gall. The only thing they're talking about, if they can talk at all, is the depth of their heart. They're not telling their children to take out the garbage anymore. They're telling their children the depth of their love. If there's issues in the family, they're saying, could you two make it right? They are communicating the depth of their heart. And here is Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. He's interceding for you and for me. He's interceding on behalf of his enemy. He cries out to his father, not deliver me. He cries out to his father. The very first thing he says, as the nail is going in, Father, forgive them. Imagine you're the Roman soldier that hears that when you're pounding a nail into the depth of someone's wrist. He pleads their case. And he says they don't know what they're doing. We've all had this experience. We've all had the experience where we've wronged someone or someone has wronged us and they're going on about their day, just driving the 405. People cut you off all the time. And they have no idea that they've cut you off. It's not until you drive in front of them and then cut them back off that they realize maybe I did something. But we live this experience all the time where we've either wronged someone or someone has wronged us and it's not until we tell them 
that you've wronged me, that they realize that you're hurt. And that's why I'm here today. Every single one of you in this room have wronged God. And I don't know if you know that. And the Spirit of God wants you to hear today, Father, forgive them for the wrong that they don't even know that they've committed. Every single one of us in here are in need of salvation. Every single one of us in here are in need of the cross. And Jesus pleads this case. And the Spirit is still pleading the case through His church. And the Spirit of God is still within us. And He's pleading with the world, Father, forgive them. And it's our job because the Spirit's in us to let them know you've wronged God, but God has made a way through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus. He's just putting into practice what He taught. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, He said, Love your enemy. And on the cross, in your greatest trials, you begin to see what's really inside of you. So if you take that hammer and you hit your thumb and something comes out that you never thought was in you, guess what? It was always in you. Pain just brought it out of you. And there on the cross, what came out of Jesus in the depth of his pain was the depth of what was in him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's fulfilling prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, the Bible 12, the Bible says that he would make intercession for those while he was being pierced. And let me tell you, Father, forgive them. Oh, David, earlier in Psalm chapter 2, 22, he makes it very clear who the them are. They were wicked dogs. That's how David describes them. Imagine the scene. The God of the universe is on a cross, and he's surrounded by wicked dogs. Have you ever been attacked by a wicked dog? Do you see their teeth and the way that they growl, the way that they bark? We've got a 120-pound Burmese mountain dog, and he thinks that by his bark, he will terrify everybody, and everyone that walks in front of my house, guess what? They walk faster because they're terrified. They don't know he's really screaming, come on up, I'll give you a big hug. (laughs) A wicked dog? There were two criminals that mocked him on either side of him. There were Roman soldiers that nailed him. There were Jews who were accusing him and hurling insults at him. The Bible says from that moment, the Apostle Paul would write, even when we were enemies, from that moment on the cross, he realizes and he writes, even when we were enemies, Christ died for us. Let me tell you what happened. One of those thieves that spit on Jesus, he got saved. One of the soldiers who would pronounce, would pronounce him as the son of God. And thousands of Jews, only a few days later, would come to Jesus Christ when Peter announced, you crucified him. And the Bible said 5,000 were added to their number the day they mentioned the cross. The cross. I'll never forget, I spoke at a church and they asked me, 
Please don't talk about the cross and don't talk about the blood. It's no longer acceptable. I have never been back invited to that church because I went on and on about the cross and I went on and on about the blood of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not ashamed of the cross. Though it is foolishness to the world, it is life and it is light to believers, millions of believers around the world. You see, the them, the them are you and me. You see, surrounded by Jesus that day were two criminals. And those two criminals represent for us today humanity. You see, there was one commonality between the two uh, 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 criminals. The Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew that both of them spit on Jesus. Now, if I'm Jesus and you spit on me and now you want to repent, you know what I'm going to do? I'll take everything I've got to spit, spit back. But not Jesus. You see, the commonality of both of those thieves were that both of them had the opportunity to respond to this prayer, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they could do, what they're doing. But one thief, let's call him on the left, he would reject. He would say to Jesus, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. Let me tell you what his prayer is. Lord, just get me down. Get me out of this mess. He wasn't seeking salvation. He was seeking his way out of a problem. The Bible would even say the word he reviled him with these words. This wasn't a statement from sincerity. It was a statement of mockery. And there was a thief on the left that would reject. But let's say there was a thief on the right side of the cross. And this thief on the right side of the cross would be the one that accepts. And he said to Jesus in the sincerity of his heart, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you hear that prayer? He said, not Lord, get me down. He prayed, Lord, take me up. Now, let me tell you what he heard that day. He heard the Pharisees shouting, you saved others. Truest gospel message you could ever say. The Pharisees were hurling insults and said, you saved others. Why can't you save yourself? The the criminal heard that. He did save others. He did heal the blind. He did allow the lame to walk. He had heard the stories of Jesus and something begins to happen in this criminal's heart. And you know what I love about this moment? Jesus redeems the insults of the Pharisees and now the criminals hearing the gospel message from an enemy. You saved others. He's thinking, can he save me? I wonder if he's the Christ. Oh, Pontius Pilate. He would put on top of the cross the king of the Jews. And he would read this statement that Pontius Pilate wrote, the king of the Jews. He had the written word. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God begins to move in this criminal and he realizes, I wonder if there's hope for me. He looks at Jesus 
And he looks at the other criminal who's hurling insults and he says to him, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. If you ever want to know if there's a sinner's prayer in the Bible, just read Luke 23. Lord, remember me. It's that simple. He recognized the righteousness of Jesus and the wretchedness of himself. This man heard that Jesus could save. And you've been invited by a friend today for that reason. You've been invited because we want you to hear. The cross is not simply something that Christians wear around their neck as a jewelry piece. The cross means salvation and redemption for every person sitting in this room. This man, he felt the conviction and responds to the Spirit. He responded to the Spirit. And then he recognized his deeds. I know that I've wronged God. I know that I've done uh, something wrong. Every one of us who have been born into this world have been born into sin. And if you didn't know it, he wants you to know today you have wronged God. Because none of us in here are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And he lived the perfect life. And then he paid the price of our sin. Driving home yesterday, guess what I saw? You know why? This little speed demon was running as fast as he could. And guess what happened? He got pulled over. And you know what I thought to myself? You are paying the price of breaking the law. You get a ticket. But let me tell you, all of us are little speed demons. You know it as well as I do. The best thing about it is Jesus is our policeman. And he pulls up to the window and he says, license and insurance. And you say, have none. He says, gotcha covered you're forgiven. That's what the cross means. Redemption. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And in this holy moment, we're asking you to intervene on our behalf. For there are those that are here who are hearing for the first time they've wronged you. So believers, I want you to be in prayer and if you brought a friend, this is when you boldly take your elbow and you go, this is the part I brought you for. I don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. Let me say this. On the left side of the cross, there was a man that rejected Jesus. But he didn't realize he would be rejecting him for an eternity. And in that rejection, he'd be separated from God with no hope ever again. But the man who was on the right side of the cross, he made a decision and said, 
I believe. I've listened to you preach the gospel. Father, forgive them. Forgiveness is available for you right now. For you. Oh, Pastor Chet, you don't know what I've done. I know, but Jesus does. And he still died for you, knowing what you would do. While you were an enemy, he still died for you. And so with that kind of boldness, I'm going to ask you to make a bold step of faith. You see, I don't know why anyone would want to gamble their eternity. I don't know why anyone, Christians, you are praying. I don't know why anyone would say, well, I'm not going to believe in Jesus. When he left heaven, came to earth and said, I'm the way. I know how to get you there. And you've got all these other people that say, well, no, there's more than one way to heaven. They've never been there. And they died. And they stayed dead. But you have Jesus, the son of the living God, who says, I know the way. Why would you gamble your eternity? And not receive him as your savior today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.